Uh, how are you guys doing? Doing good? Glad to be back? Right? Yes. I want to be home in my comfy chair. Right? <laughs> uh, guess we could bring him in if, if you really want to, right? Elisha asked what, you know, kind of what testimony stood out, and there's a bunch that come to mind. You know, um, they, it really came down to you know, when Jeremiah even saw Jerusalem destroyed, he knew the Lord was faithful. You know, then that was what really stuck out to me at the beginning of everything. Hey, no matter what's going to happen, the Lord is going to be glorified in. The world today and looking at some of the ministries that I've, I've followed throughout the years you know thousands are flocking to Christ because they're you know their creature comforts and other things have been taken away and you know in, in some areas that's that's been bad um, but other areas we can see that there's spiritual uh, revival even in this time uh, we can we can see uh, Franklin Graham uh, asked churches today to, to pray uh, for our nation. I don't know if you saw that, but I'd just like to uh, share this. Uh, right now, he says that we need to pray for peace uh, because the, angry of, the anger of man does not produce right, the righteousness of God, James 1.20. Pray for perspective because the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, and open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And that's James uh, 3.17. And then to pray for patience because of God's kindness and forbearance and patience towards all. And that's Romans 2.4. And then pray for outpouring of his wisdom and direction for our leaders and officials who are dealing with this crisis, asking God to change the hearts and heal this divide in our nation. And, and you know, across the board, even coronavirus has divided people. And then the race stuff going on right now and these protests and looting have you know, divided it. We just see divides after divides. And so let yeah, just take a moment, and even if you want to pray with me, I, I can start and can go around if if you want to. But just to to stand and pray for our nation, uh, for for just a, a couple minutes, that we would we would pray these things uh, for America and for the world, uh, just in in general. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of things going on. Uh, Father God, we. We thank you for today. We thank you that so much that we can essentially gather as the body of Christ, that we've been able to do a church in our homes and have that time together to, to worship you and to you know, have that, that peace in our homes. But we also pray for perspective of how to, you know, just in Sunday school, talking how can we as a church go forward and share the gospel, the thing that brings peace with God it ceases hostility between God and man, but also to, to pray for perspective. We don't know what the other sides are struggling with, but to help us love, help us to you know, seek justice in these times and to go forward. You know, and we just pray for old leaders, old people in positions to have uh, patience and have perspective and, and peace 
Lord, and we just, uh, we thank you. We thank you for today that we can come together as, as the body of Christ, that we can assemble before you, that we can sing about you because you are the light, you are the way and the truth, and by you, men have life eternally. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Um, well, thank you, thank you guys for being here. It's it's good to, good to see you, see everybody. Oh, um, let's uh and turn to the the book of Jude together. The tiny one before Revelation. <laughs> um, Have you ever been eager for something? Yeah? Eager for stuff to be over? <laughs> oh. No, it's, uh, I, I thought about it, you know, we're, we're eager to definitely share an engagement, right? You know, the, put that ring on someone's finger and you're, you're calling people right away, right? You know, you're letting people know, hey, this is, <coughs> this is what has happened. You're, you're eager, eager to share a baby's birth that, hey, you know, seven pounds even. I'm like, how is that even possible? I, I don't, I've never heard that. <laughs> but that was, that was cool. You know, babies come in. You know, we're, we're eager about our hobbies, about, you know, sports or, or different books that have come out or, or eager to go see a movie that uh, friends have, have been telling us about. You know, we're, you know, we can't wait to share the news so to say, um, with the group of friends or, or loved ones. You know, you, you may have all grown up together or gone to school together, but as you come together, you've, you've had time to, to hang out and you've shared meals together. You've shared time together. You know, in today's world, we can be eager about a lot of things. We can be eager for times to come and for times to go away and you know, as we, as we come to the book of Jude, we see that he was eager to write to believers. He was very eager to speak to them about what they had in common, which was salvation in Christ. That's what believers have. But as we see in, these, in this verse that we'll study today is that the Holy Spirit moves him to write altogether about a different issue. And what we see today is that Jude was eager to write to the church about what is common to them, which is salvation. And yet he has been turned to tell them, hey, let's, let's contend for the faith here. Let's, let's go forward. Uh, the verse before us today really expresses this. And uh, it's Jude 3, uh, 1, 3. You know, there's no chapter in Jude, but it's, it's 1, 3. <laughs> Uh, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you appealing to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. As we, as we come into... The letter of Jude, last week we studied the greeting, and 
we see that, that Jude writes to the beloved. You know, those that we see by verse 1 are, are kept for Jesus, are, are, you know, brought in by the Holy Spirit and loved by the Father. That, you know, this, this is a, a common thing that we see. And you know, we see that the author is eager to write. Jude has a message that he is very eager to, to speak about, to, to let out. His message was prepared in, in haste. He has you know, sincerity about the issue and has intense conviction and ready to write to believers, to the body of Christ. Jude wants to speak and entreat the whole church community. You know, it's, it's really cool. You know, I kind of sat and thought about this, that, you know, through, throughout Scripture, we kind of see this where, you know, Christianity rests upon the spoken and written word of God. You know, isn't that a, a cool thing to think about? That we, we rest on that? You know, well, why is that? You know, why, why do we do that? Or how, how is that? Is, is better, a better question. It leads actually back to Genesis chapter 1, if you want to turn with me there. From the end to the beginning now, right? <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, I'll just uh, see verse 3, actually, and it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And you can look down throughout Genesis 1, actually. It's, you know, verses 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, and 26. It states, God said. You know, he is, he is there and he is not silent. Is actually one of Francis Schaeffer's uh, books that you know, talks about, you know, he is the God that is there. And he is the God that, that speaks. He is our creator, and we can see that he reveals himself by speech. He proclaims, and going along with that is clarity. You know, he clearly states this. I am there. He's not silent. He is clear to us. And we, we see that in 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16 and 17, if you want to turn over there with me, please. And these are you know, the, the verses that you know, we, can, we can turn to to generally you know, talk about, you know, well, what is the Bible? How do we view the Bible as believers? And it's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 that state this. You know, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Now it is, it is clear and it is true. All scripture is, is breathed out, revealed, spoken out by God. Now both the Old and the New Testament is profitable for teaching. It tells us what we need to know and, and why we need to know it. You know, it is there for, for reproof. You know, it is the scripture that 
is handed down and, and shows us wrongs and folly right off the bat, right? You know, on, you know we uh, saw that in Genesis. We see that throughout Scripture. You know, it doesn't leave us there, though. It doesn't leave us with, you know, reproof and correction. You know, it, it shows us our need for Messiah, but it also shows us our Messiah. It shows us the promised one to come and how to walk in newness of life in him. You know, this, uh, the psalmist actually says it this way, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It, it, in fact, trains us in righteousness. It's, you know, it's a guide to righteousness. You know, and this is why we actually need to rightly divide it as well, by, by reading it and understanding it and what it says in its context, we can then apply it to today. So, uh, Mark Deaver and Greg Gilbert say it this way in their book, Preach. God's word is the most powerful force in the universe. It gives life, it heals, it corrects, and it changes lives. Now, Christianity rests here in the breathed out word of God because it shows us God. Now, it tells us our problem and then it shows us our Messiah and it shows us that he in fact is working even in the mess that we see in the world today. Now, another reason why Christianity rests here in the breathed out and spoken out word of God is that uh, it is actually living and breathing. And uh, please turn with me to, to Hebrews chapter 4 to see that. I forgot where I was. I thought I was in Jude and I went backwards. <laughs> I've convinced myself that if I reference Hebrews one more time in a in a sermon, we're just going to go through the book of Hebrews so we can reference other parts of the Bible now. <laughs> but, uh, verses, uh, verses 12 and 13 say this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eye of him, the eyes of him who, to whom we must give an account. Now the Bible is, is no ordinary book. It is not just another literary classic, but it is alive. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts us and shows us our wrongs. Now no one is hidden but is naked and exposed before God. The God who sees all and knows all. He created humanity. He loves humanity and he speaks to, he reveals himself to humanity. Now, was this easier when you could pause me? Right? No. <laughs> Sorry. Random question. Sorry. <laughs> like break time. I would do it too. I'd pause and... Oh, I need some snacks. <laughs> oh, he, he speaks to us. Jude writes to all believers wanting to speak to them about this God who, who has a love for all of humanity and that we can have in common with one another, salvation. And we see that, that Jude, in fact, started out his letter wanting to write to them about their shared belonging. You know, that 
that common salvation, which is their deliverance from their sins. And believing upon the Messiah and by resting in his finished work upon the cross, they had eternal life. Believers share in this amazing grace that through the Son of God, they are not under the wrath of God and slaves of sin, but they are actually washed clean. And made new creations in Jesus Christ. You know, the, the world that is apart from the church does not share what is in common here. Christianity does not believe in a universalism, which is the belief that everyone is, is saved and everyone will just go to heaven. This is not true. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 13. And verses 22 through 24 of the chapter say this. And he, uh, Jesus, went on his way through the towns and the villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, for many, <coughs> Now, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. That's, you know, for many will seek it, but not, not be able. You, know, you hear those words and you're like, well, well why? You know, well, the, the way is narrow. You know, it, is, it is clear, though. You know, it's, it's clear in the Bible this is, this is how it is. But narrow is kind of hard to fit through, right? It, 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 it requires something. It requires repentance. If humanity strives for salvation, strives for the meaning of life, you know, whether from uh, sex, drugs, rock and roll, from morals to education, from politics to any kind of worldview out there, we can see that humanity as itself struggles and strives to find salvation. It shows us that where man has gone and where it has come from, it comes to the question of, well, it is simple. It's, it's clear to see salvation. So why do so many fail to find it? You know, humanity itself is, is unable and even unwilling to see it, to seek God. And we think of it like this. It's found in Isaiah 53, actually. And please turn in your Bibles with me to Isaiah 53. And I'll just read verse 6. It says this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We all have turned every one to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And we have all gone our own way. Humanity has has gone this way. I mean the first question to to man in the garden is where where are you? You know they they sewed on fig leaves, right? They they made their own religion to cover 
their, their nakedness right there. And that's the genesis of that. You know, the proverb says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And that's Proverbs 14, uh, 12. And we think our, our works, we think to ourselves that ourselves will make it. We, we can have the good life. We can have it all. But only death is at the end of that path. And we may think it looks right or, or seems right as humanity. But in the end, all of our works are like filthy rags. Salvation is not found apart from God and his grace in Christ Jesus. That we would receive the gift of God and live a life worthy of that grace that has been given. Uh, Paul calls the Philippian church to this. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And that we would see the great treasure that is before us in Jesus and his saving work and that we would take hold of it and that it would take hold of us. You know, that we would have a manner of life that is one that is changed by the majesty of Christ. And that we would, as we saw in last, uh, last week, that we would be bonded to the will of our master and our Messiah. Now, Paul says, says this in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, Do you not know that a race, in, all, uh, in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So let us run that you obtain it. Now, every athlete exercises self-control in all things, they do it to receive what is perishable, a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. You know, in, in the form of, of running a race, we need to run to win. You know, we already have the victory in Christ, right? And we already have what has been given to us. So we run to win. We run to go forward for him so that our gain would be his glory. And, and that's an imperishable thing. You know, golds, medals, trophies, you know, all these things will rust away. But salvation is something that brings us purpose and meaning and into a new reality of, of dwelling with God forever in eternity. You know, that we would live in the light of what that is, that Christ has died for us, that we have received salvation by him and run the race that is before us. Now in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 actually uh, states that uh, really clearly. You know, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now in chapter 11, we see the great hall of faith, and we see how to go forward by that, how to, how to 
run forward through biblical context you know, from others in the past. So let us go forward and lay aside everything that would stop us from running well and fix our eyes on Jesus, that we would run the race marked out for us and that we would set aside our lives for him. You know, we, we do that because we understand that the way is narrow and we understand that, you know, there's people that think, well, I got all of this together. Or I'll just power through life. You know, in fact, we can't. We're unable. You know, that we cannot redeem ourselves. That we cannot overcome sin and death. But thankfully, we can point to him who does. And we can trust in him. And we can, we can share in that common redemption and that common salvation. And we can share it as well. Because there is no, no other way. You know, through through life. And then we see that Jude wanted, you know, Jude definitely wanted to talk and, and tell and, and share in that common salvation of what believers had in Christ. But now he says that he found it necessary. You know, he, it was imposed on him by, by circumstance, by the Holy Spirit moving him to write that he wrote this. He writes, appealing to them, beseeching them, entreating to them, the believer, to do this, to contend for the faith, to struggle earnestly for it, that it would be an earnest struggle, a, a serious-minded struggle, a sober struggle that goes deep into one's life, that it would be a diligent thing to contend for the faith, a faith that we are devoted for because, you know, it's, it's the belief. You know, it's the, the core of what we are. You know, faith or belief is, is showing us the relationship between man and God and divine things. You know, and we'll get opportunities to talk about the whole of systematic theology and why doctrines and, you know, the basics of beliefs are so you know, so necessary to just have an understanding of, you know, it is this that has been once and for all delivered. And Hebrews uh, 1, uh, chapter 1, if you want to turn there with me, states this. And verses 1 and 2 talk, talk about what has been delivered to man. Long ago and in many times, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And we see that God has spoken in the Old Testament with, with prophets that wrote down their words, Jeremiah and Jonah, and others that had only spoken, uh, like prophets uh, Nathan. 
But now we, we see that God has in fact spoken to, him, spoken to us by his son. And that those that witnessed him, as we talked about last week, that this life made manifest, handed them a message and told them to go and to proclaim it and to make disciples throughout the world. It was delivered to the apostles, you know, and uh, Paul in the book of Ephesians actually say that they are the foundation. They are the foundation of the church that point to the cornerstone of it all, which is Jesus Christ. You know, Second Peter chapter 1 verses 16 through 21 state this, For we did not follow clearly devised myths when we made known to you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, the, and the voice was borne to him by the majesty, majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard the very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, and we have prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart knowing this first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You know, Peter here first points out that this is, this is not a myth. You know, this isn't devised. We have in fact made his coming known in the power of the Lord, the Messiah, because they were eyewitnesses to his majesty, to the wonder of him, to the wonder of the Father's Voice. He goes back to the transfiguration on the mountaintop. Oh, and this, the whole miracle, the wonder, confirms what? Confirms the word, right? It confirms the breathed out word of God, which we need to pay attention to because it is a lamp shining in the darkness for all to see. Because scripture is the breathed out word of God. No prophecy is devised. You know, false, false ones are definitely found out, right? But these prophecies, the prophecies fulfilled by the Messiah, the prophecies about the Messiah coming and reigning will happen. Now, so the prophecies in the scripture written by men were moved along by the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the agent behind it all. And how the Bible, having 66 different books and over 40 different authors, is one story about the Messiah, about the promised one. Now here we see one of the foundational beliefs of Christianity being handed down to the saints. Those set apart by God to believers, this has been handed down and delivered that the manifest glory of Christ is seen that the eyewitness eyewitnessship i guess is the the word has been handed to the church 
you know, and, and we, we see uh, some of the different um, things that have been handed down to the church in a, a descriptive passage here in Acts. And if you want to turn to Acts chapter 2 with me. And this kind of describes different things that the church did together. And it's Acts 2, 42 through 47 uh, shows us this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The, the, the first thing that really sticks out there is devoted. They, they, they were devoted. The, the body, the church, was devoted to the apostles' teachings. Well, why is that? Because they are the eyewitnesses of Christ. Now, they pointed to him. They're the foundation pointing to the cornerstone. Now, they were devoted to fellowship. Potlucks, right? Yeah, we're getting there. We'll get there. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Bring your quarantine special, your random thing that you had to had to make to make it through it, right? That could be our next art theme. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that or pineapples, right? No? So pineapple dishes, pineapple pizza. Who likes pineapple pizza? Sorry, random polling. Okay. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> they they broke bread together. You know, now sharing meals takes down walls. Now sharing meals helps us come together and, and pray together. You know, they were in awe of God working in their midst. You know, we, we don't need a healing or an actual voice from heaven to see that God is working here because he is about redeeming broken and sinful man. And that is a true wonder. They were each other in their own homes, in, in, in each other's homes. And they were glad and generous in heart and praised God. You know, in this, the church did life together. People came to the Lord. And, you know, by this, it, it describes the church community and what, and what they did then. And it is very much what we need to be about here and now. Because you know, doctrine matters. You know, theology matters. Our thoughts on God have a huge impact on our lives. And if we don't have any thoughts on God, it has a huge impact on our lives as well. You know, how you know, we come together and have a voice and a witness. You know, life pointing towards the cornerstone together. You know, together we can learn, together we can use our gifts to the building up of each other unto or into Christ, who is the head. You know, the, the questions that I think we wrestle with the most with doctrines and theology is, is it, 
is it for everybody, right? Or just guys that like big books or, or gals that like big books, right? <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it is for everyone. You know, we should be about reading our Bible, understanding our Bible and studying it and applying it to life. We don't, we don't need the, the systematic theologies. You know, you can, there's outlines too, if, if you're into smaller, you know, smaller books. <laughs> but, you know, we can be about this in our whole life to center upon him and his word, to become a, you know, a, a theologian in knowing him, you know, that it would be our, our whole, that we would be about this, because God, God has us. You know, doctrines and theologies inform us of who God is, you know, it informs us of, of what's wrong with creation. Uh, you know, it informs us of who, who angels are, of how one is, how one is saved. You know, how, how does one do church you know, or be the church? Or you know, answering the, the church question is, is a big one in today's world. And then how, you know, here's another question that's on everybody's mind. How, how does the world end? You know, how, how is... You know, is this, is this the end? Well, it's one day. We're, we're one step closer, right? <laughs> you, know, you know, these, these questions are a part of a worldview, are a part of, of anyone's, you know, fundamentals. And, and how we, you know, answer these questions shows us and gives us, you know, in our minds and in our hearts, purpose and meaning of things that are here and things that are to come, you know, and, and how, how that informs us, gives us understanding of, of each of these different areas of how to interact with other people. And, and um, you know, we all, we all have struggles in those different areas. And, and that's something that, you know, why we're called to life together, because then we can, we can sharpen each other. So at the, at the last part, you know, it comes really to a question of, of well, how? How do we contend? And we, you know, do we put up our dukes and get our boxing gloves on and get ready to beat somebody up, right? No. Somebody's excited out there. Come on. <laughs> you know, we, we get ready to pound the other side. We're going we're gonna to pelt them with all of our answers. Right? No? And we come together, uh, we, come, we come to the other side in a loving, gentle, and respectable way of 1 Peter chapter 3, if you want to turn there with me. First Peter chapter 3, 15. It states this, But in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Yeah, as we go forward, as we contend for the faith, we first honor Christ as holy. Yeah, that's, that's the first step. And then we, we are always being prepared, always 
ready to make a defense to anyone who who asks. Uh, you know, that's you know, we talked about that in Sunday school. You don't just you know you kind of stand in line and wait for the the question. You know, we have to. As one uh, speaker I heard, you know, that we we need to be the instigator to, you know, hey, what what about creation? Creation's a good, and we live in Colorado, so we can point to the mountains and say, hey, who made those? That's a good conversation starter. And we need to be about having a defense for why why is there hope in us? You know, this is the hope of the saints. And how to come here, we come to it with gentleness and respect. And we, we need to understand in that that it is a spiritual matter. It's not a flesh and blood issue. Our, our purpose is to destroy thoughts that stand against Christ. Second uh, Corinthians, Paul states this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every that thought captive to obey Christ. And we, we're about destroying the argumentations that hold POWs captive. And we destroy these opinions and we raise them against or destroy them that are against the knowledge of God. And we do this with gentleness and respect to build bridges. And we, we see what has been given to us, you know, the common salvation, grace in Christ, revelation is also another another grace that we have that, that God has specifically given us the breathed out word. And we have those things. And then we have we have gifts, you know, to build bridges and to bring people to see and believe in the hope that is in Christ Jesus the Messiah alone. You know, today we've we've seen that you know Jude is in fact and was in fact eager to write about what they have in common. He was going to write to the beloved about salvation. But now we see that the beloved have another thing in common. And we'll, we'll get more into you know, that next week to contend for the faith. You know, we'll, we'll come more to, well, why? Why, you know, why, why do we need to? You know, and, and contending ex, expels enormous amount of energy and effort. You know, and in that, that we would be about knowing and seeing what has been handed to us. You know, the, the basics of the faith. You know, the, what the Bible says to know. You know, and this, what this means for us is that we should be eager to share in what we have in, in common with believers. You know, no matter, you know, where we're from or what kind of background we have, we have this in common. Jesus the Messiah. We have him, you know, whom we are kept for. And this means we should be, you know, standing on truth. And that, you know, we all have different contexts, you know, uh, different workplaces, uh, different opportunities, uh, different inroads to people's lives, from coworkers to school buddies to friends and family. We all have 
opportunities to go forward to fight and defend for the faith once handed down. So how, how do we uh, apply this to today? You know, how does, how does one defend the faith? Uh, it kind of comes back to, you know, we, we need to know the truth. We need to study the truth. Uh, I've heard it said one way, you know, to see a, a fake ID is to study the real ones, right? I, I think that's from a movie. I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, uh, a good reference, you know, but we, we know a fake ID by studying the real ones. You know, and we, so we come to grow in the truth and understand it and apply it personally. And, and secondly, we don't, we don't seek uh, words of, I guess, wisdom or insight, if we want to call it that, uh, outside of the scriptural worldview we have. You know, today, uh, more than ever, there's, there's, there's voices that people seek. There's words or new wonders from God. And we come to understand that once and for all, something has been handed down to us. And it is the scripture. Uh, to quote the, the subtitle of Kevin DeYoung's book, Taking God at His Word, it's this. The Bible is noble, necessary, and enough. You know, it is the noble word of God. It is breathed out. Everyone can read it and know God. This is the specific or special revelation that alone tells us what we need to know. And it is enough. There is nothing else we need but this book opened up, exposited, and taught to us for salvation and for our walk in Christ. You know, that we wouldn't seek a different source. You know, we're, we're eager for so many different things in this world, right? For things to get back to normal, for things to calm down, for, for peace and perspective to reign. But let us be eager today to contend for the faith, you know, in our, in our hearts, you know, if we have questions or doubts, and for, for family members, for friends, and for coworkers as well. You know, and, and not just for our, for our sake, but for others' sake as well. Uh, let's, let's close in a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, we, we thank you for today. Thank you that we can, we can be here together. We can, we can come and, and praise your name and, and learn from your word, Lord. And uh, we just uh, pray that that we would go forward uh, today and, and we would go forward in, in planning and, and kind of re readjusting for different things, but to go forward to, to share you for a community in need, a nation in need, and a world in need. And uh, Lord, just give us the heart, help us pray for opportunities to uh, contend for the faith and, and gentleness and respect, but also just lifting up those strongholds and, and showing them to be utterly false uh, to the POWs that trust in them. Uh, Lord, that people would come to trust in you. And I just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.